Good day, one and all. This is Chris Abalo's Podcast Experiment, and I am Chris Abalo. Welcome to the show, the first panel show, the first episode, which is not only do I have a guest, I have three of them. There are multiple people you're going to be listening to. Have a chat. See, I promised you more guests on the show in the future after a string of shows that I just did by myself. And look at that. I've delivered. This is now the second show in a row where I'm chatting with somebody. In this case, multiple people. So I deliver my promises. Chris Abalo's podcast experiment is a name you can trust. I hope that doesn't take off, uh, mainly because I'll stop it from doing so. We'll get to all that in a moment. But of course, I have a few things up front, which uh, we'll just dive right into. Of course, this Friday marks the first episode of the fourth year of The Only Podcast That Matters. So naturally, I encourage you to check the show out on theonlypodcast.com, the home. Subscribe to the show on iTunes along with this show while you're at it. Or if you use apps on your phone like Stitcher Radio or Beyond Pod, The Only Podcast That Matters is available there as well. And I will let you know when this show is available on some of those mobile apps. But the fourth year is beginning for the big show, and I'm really happy about it. In fact, there's an excellent Best of Year 3 compilation that went live at theonlypodcast.com, which you can also find at all those other podcast resources. Uh, It's about an hour and a half of some of the best and funniest clips from Year 3 since the clip show is going to be an annual thing. After we did the 100 Weeks of Insanity uh, clip show highlights from our first 100 episodes, We got such a great response from that that we decided, well, at this point, especially with 150-plus episodes, almost at 160 already, that anyone who's getting into the show now, is there's a lot of catching up to do. So we figured, okay, as a a quick fix, as a way to kind of get even a feel for the show, because a lot of people say, well, where do I start if I haven't listened to the only podcast that matters? I say start with the clip shows, particularly the 100 Weeks of Insanity clip show from... August of 2012, because that is the best of nearly the first two years. And of course, now there's the uh, best of year three clip show, which will now be an annual thing, which is awesome. And this Saturday, October 5th, marks the return of Running Amok in Boston, the documentary that we shot last spring, me and the boys from the only podcast that matters when we took a trip up to Boston for an updated photo shoot since the first one we'd done was uh, back in 2010 when the site launched. And it seemed only right that we stay loyal to our photographer friend, Ryan Hulse, who had relocated to Boston. Just just the short version if you you aren't already aware of the film. But it seemed like a good excuse to get everybody together and head up to a place where the majority of us hadn't been yet. I believe only Jimmy had been up to Boston. So it was brand new for all of us and... It seemed like a really fun opportunity to just shoot a fly-on-the-wall documentary of what it would be like to hang out with us in a new place for the weekend, and it turned out great. Unfortunately, it was blocked on YouTube a mere three months, not even three months, after it went live. It went up last July, in July 2012, and in October, it had been blocked because of one of the songs that was used, because I prefer to use existing songs instead of some other, I don't want to say lesser-known songs, but maybe having something written to order or uh, just composing something specifically for this. It's just easier for me to piece things together as an editor slash director, at least uh, in the case of this film. It's just easier for me to use existing songs as a means of building a scene or putting together a montage or whatever it is. So uh, with content uh, controlling aspects of the internet uh, still evolving, 
and with all that uh, fair usage and, and all that stuff is changing. A few of our previous videos had started out as being blocked on YouTube, and then the block was lifted, I guess, because those songs were now allowed to be featured on YouTube in any capacity at all. But that didn't happen with this movie, so after nearly a year of not having it available in uh, just the United States, well, the United States and Germany, sorry, Germany, you're still going to miss out because I didn't remove all the songs that were uh, blocking the dock in uh, your country. But uh, since the dock was blocked in the United States for almost a year, went back and recut it, and uh, this new and improved version is going to be live at youtube.com slash the only podcast this Saturday, October 5th. So make sure you check that out. In fact, I am going to post the, the doc itself on chrisabalo.com. So you will see it in, uh, well, Saturday the 5th. I'll post it on there as well. So be sure to look for that because it was a lot of fun for me to go back and actually edit some things over again, maybe tighten it up a little bit. And I did add some footage because originally I was aiming for about a half hour, figuring out over the course of two days, there'll probably be 30 minutes worth of actual footage or activity that was captured on film uh, that, that it probably wouldn't add up to more than a half hour, right? But then when I started putting everything together, the final cut ended up being about 45 minutes. But while I was editing it, along the way, while I was piecing together scenes, it's basically made up of eight individual sections, let's say. It'd almost be like reels, what I imagine reels would be like for big films. I kept trying to keep them uh, moving along because I figured, well, okay, aim for a half hour. But then when it all added up to 45 minutes... It kind of made me wish that I had left some things in. So now that I had the chance, by choice, <laughs> to go back and uh, fix the movie and having to uh, recut some of it so that uh, it wouldn't get blocked because of uh, songs that were used, I did add some stuff back in. So it is a few minutes longer. Not huge differences uh, by any means. It's not a completely different uh, version of it, but it is enhanced, let's say. And there's uh, some more footage that, uh, as I said, was just cut for the sake of time. Uh, anything I added does not stop the flow of the original cut, which, uh, sorry, but you can no longer see it, uh, even though it does exist. But uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's the thing I'm most proud of because it's a short film in, in almost every way, in as much as you've got seven main players, well, eight if you want to include uh, the second half with uh, photographer Ryan Hulse. And I just, I, I love it. I think it's a lot of fun, and it makes me nostalgic for hanging out with my friends, obviously. And same thing with rounding out the year and doing the uh, annual cast show where we all looked back on year three, which I did from here in Los Angeles and the boys did from uh, New Jersey. And then we're able to merge that together <laughs> thanks to the wonders of telephone technology. It did make me nostalgic and, and did make me miss being around the guys more and more. But the film's still a lot of fun and uh, it's great to look back on that weekend as uh, such a blast. I mean, when you go away with friends and you get to break bread together, and uh, you, you spend a lot of time in each other's company. Not an excessive amount. It's not like we went away on like a six-week tour or something like that, but to go away with friends for a couple of days. If you've ever done that, you know that it just it deepens things for you, and it, uh, it, it is an important milestone, I think, with uh, the friends you're closest to when you make plans to go away for uh, even just a weekend, and uh, especially considering what we do, since this is primarily the whole podcasting thing is rooted in fun, the whole point of the trip was to also have fun in addition to get some new photos. And a good time was had by all. So check out Running Amok in Boston. It will be, as I said, I will put the video uh, in a post on chrisabala.com or go to youtube.com slash the only podcast to check it out along with our 30 plus other videos that are there. 
various uh, short films and whatnot. Uh, and subscribe. There you go. Subscribe on YouTube. All right, before we get down to the chat itself, I, of course, have a few items of contention, which uh, I would like to talk about first. I have recently spent a lot of time in, uh, let's say, walking neighborhoods or uh, just on the street as opposed to, say, driving. And, man, the person who I can't stand, when you're standing out of light waiting for, the obviously, the light to turn red and for the crosswalk signal to go from the orange hand to the white, stick figure, I am so massively annoyed by the idiot who has to keep pushing the button, especially when the button beeps. I mean, it's it's slightly less annoying when there's a button that doesn't make a sound, but all of the LA area crosswalks, when you tap the button, there's like a little beep that goes off. And the person who just keeps hitting it, thinking somehow it'll make the light change faster. And you know what? It doesn't. Stop doing that. If you do that, cut it out. In fact, I think what should be done with these people, the people who somehow think that if they push the button multiple times, the light will change in their favor faster, I think we need to round them up and put them on an island with the people who do the same thing in the elevator with pushing the button to get to their floor, somehow thinking that the elevator has a like nitrous oxide in it. So that way, if you keep pushing the button a certain amount of times, you'll get to your floor a hell of a lot faster. I think all these people need to be rounded up put on an island, and we detonate a nuclear warhead on it. Because seriously, yeah, we're all in a hurry. We all have things to do. We all have places to be. But the erratic pushing of buttons just pushes my buttons. So everyone just needs to stop. That's first and foremost. Now, there are two more types of people I've encountered while out and about who annoy me. First, let me tackle the person who, when checking out at a grocery store, more often than not, it's, it's a grocery store, And it's pretty much always unacceptable in my book, but it's even more egregious when it's busy. The person I'm talking about is the person who will watch the cashier bag their groceries while they just stand there leaning on their cart. If there's a bagger, that's one thing because the cashier can keep the line moving. Because frankly, you know, when there's three other people behind you who want to check out, why don't you bag your own stuff up? It's not that hard. It's not that physically strenuous. It's not like you're going to bag a 24-pack of bottled water in the first place. So how much are you really buying that you couldn't handle bagging yourself? And I'm not even going to accept the excuse of specifically the women who, after rifling through their oversized handbag to find their former payment as if they didn't know they had to pay when they checked out of the store, Some of the time, those women are reloading the metric ton of crap that they took out of their handbag to find their credit card or their cash back into their bag. Do that outside at your car or, you know what, do it at another time. Keep things moving. Nobody likes standing in line and nobody likes waiting behind you while you take a breather. Oh, man, I've been walking around and shopping. Let me let this cashier do all the work. Forget it. I'm not going to bag my own stuff. I already need to take it home. Hey, I paid for it. Give me a break. People, bag your own stuff. When I was a kid and I went grocery shopping with my parents, you know who was bagging our stuff? Me. Maybe because I didn't have a PSP or an iPhone to play with while I was in the store so I could keep quiet. Then again, I wasn't an unruly kid in the first place. But that's probably the worst when this, there's either a couple or a parent or two parents with kids. And there's one cashier, the person who rung them up, who has a line of people that they need to take care of still. And everyone's just hanging around, 
either watch, the worst thing is watching them. I, I know I, I keep raising the stakes and saying who's worse, but the worst thing is when they just watch the cashier bag up their stuff and put it in the cart. It's like, are you really just going to stand around and do absolutely nothing? Come on. Don't you have somewhere to be? Don't you want to go home to watch Duck Dynasty or something? Like, really, load up your crap when you're checking out. And actually, while we're on the subject of, of families, let's all take a moment to remember the fact that parking lots are the domain of cars. Pedestrians play a role in parking lots because people walk from their car to the store and then back to their car again. But primarily, you need to be on the lookout for cars when you're walking around. And the person I can't stand, who I've seen a lot lately, it's usually a mother walking with one kid. And I'm driving four, maybe five miles an hour through a parking lot to find an empty space. And (laughs) there's a mother and her kid walking right through the middle of the lane, and then as I'm maneuvering around them, crawling past them, she actually needs to give me a dirty look as if somehow I was aiming for her kid. Are you kidding me? Get out of the way. There's cars. I'm not aiming for your kid. Don't shoot me dirty looks. And this has happened quite a few times to me recently, which is why it's, it just bothers me so much. Like, are you kidding? I just want to park and go in the store and bag my own stuff and get out. That's my goal, all right? Don't walk in the middle of a, an aisle of a parking lot and make cars either maneuver around you or just, you know, just stay out of their way. Seriously, doesn't everybody have somewhere to go? I think they should, especially with LA traffic. I'm biased because I guess of where I am, but there are enough places that are congested, cities that are congested with traffic. And when I go places, I typically want to go in and out. It's very rare that I go somewhere just to kill time. It doesn't happen very often. I want to get where I'm going as quickly as possible, get in and out of that destination as quickly as possible, and go either back home or on to the next destination. So why is it that people just, uh, why, why people make it so difficult for each other and themselves by just being completely oblivious to what's going on outside of their, their brain? And while we're on parking lots, that brings us to the only in Los Angeles moment in this episode, which, uh, by the way, I stand corrected. A few weeks ago, I talked about how there's a a Walgreens on Sunset and Vine, which is a hybrid of Sephora, 7-Eleven, Starbucks, and a sushi joint. That's not the only one. (laughs) There's actually two in Vegas, which I'll elaborate more on Vegas in just a moment, but I was actually wrong about that one, which is fine. That's kind of the point, is that I see these things, and I kind of associate them with a a being, being a stereotypical aspect of Los Angeles, but that's not always the case. So if I do talk about anything in uh, any of these segments on any episodes and you've noticed the same thing elsewhere, please step up and tell me. Comment on the show or uh, visit the show on any of the social media websites. All those links are on chrisabal.com. The only in Los Angeles moment on this show is another one from the parking lot, which is, and just the combination of it, to me, seems like, what people regard as stereotypical L.A., which is a Prius. Nope, that's not the entire joke. A Prius that has a bumper sticker that says, war is not the answer. Thanks. That's really, really helpful. I'm sure that's going to change someone's mind at the red light, huh? Especially if it's a military family. Oh, geez, maybe this is all wrong. That sticker told me so. Come on, get your head out of your ass. It's not like you're such a hero for putting that bumper sticker on your car. Is it, no, war is not the answer. I don't have an answer, but I'm just letting you know that I'm smart enough to know it's not war. Come on, man. And just the fact that it's on a Prius, that really drove it home for me. So, hey, there you go. You know what? 
open and shut. That's this week's only in Los Angeles moment. Let me now put some praise and some positivity out into the world, aside from putting out a podcast on a regular basis, because think of how selfless that is. No, I'm totally joking. I was surprised this past weekend with uh, something of an early birthday present from my sister, which, uh, and, and I won't stretch this out for too long. I'll give you the, the abridged version of the story. But uh, basically, early last week, she surprised me with tickets to see Craig Ferguson do stand-up in Las Vegas this past Saturday. Now, I have never been to Vegas as a destination. I drove through when uh, I was heading back to California in February, but I've never stopped and spent a day or a night or a weekend or whatever. So this was going to be my first real trip to Vegas. She'd booked into a place for two nights and uh, gotten these tickets, which were also VIP tickets that included a meet and greet after the show. So this was just a huge surprise, and I, I can't even begin to tell you how excited I was at thinking, oh, man, because I've been a Craig Ferguson fan for a couple of years now, and I've seen gone to see uh, the Late Late Show tape many times. But I thought, oh, man, this is going to be cool. And I saw him actually do stand-up once uh, back in New Jersey at the Count Basie Theater a few years ago. My family and I, we, the four of us had gone together as a family, uh, my sister and I and uh, my parents, our parents. But this was going to be the topper, and... So what that it was a little bit early uh, from my birthday. I was still incredibly happy because of the double whammy of getting to meet one of my current favorite uh, comedians and my favorite talk show host and being able to spend some time in Vegas. And uh, I didn't have much work going on. So it, it honestly, it worked out perfectly and goes without saying, I, of course, had a great time in Vegas. And the stand-up show itself was hysterical. It was actually at the Venetian in the Sands showroom, which is a really small. It's literally a room. I thought it was going to be a theater, like a thousand seat place. No, I'd be surprised that there was 500 seats in the place and it wasn't even full. We went on Saturday night, which I imagine there's a lot of competition. I know there were other comedians in town who were obviously just doing one or two nights on the weekend, aside from just the regular shows that go on. But I was surprised the place wasn't full, but just really small at the point where since the seats were on an angle, it was almost as if sitting down, we were almost even with the stage. So it was as if our chairs were sitting on the stage and we were kind of watching him because we were in the second row too. So it was just really close and a really intimate gig. And I guess I'm sure he went there to uh, work out some new material because he just did a stand up special last year, which was on Netflix, which that'll be my recommendation. If you haven't seen it, I think all three of his stand up specials are on there. But if you are a Netflix subscriber, like so many of us are, check out I'm Here to Help by Craig Ferguson. His special before that was actually my favorite uh, so far, I think it's a close call between I'm here to help and uh, does this need to be said, which was his second stand up special. And uh, the one before that was a wee bit of revolution. I'm pretty sure you could stream them all. So those are my recommendations. Uh, if you if you haven't seen the Late Late Show, it is great. I admit I don't watch it all the time. I watch it when there are people on who I like, but I don't do that for all sorts of talk shows like the Tonight Show. I just don't like the Tonight Show. So even if I like somebody who's going to be a guest on there, I won't watch it. It's just not my type of show, but uh, Craig is consistently hilarious, and it's very rare that I, I don't even know if I can recall an episode of The Late Late Show that I watched that I thought, eh, okay, that was pretty forgettable. I always enjoy him, but the show was hysterical. Uh, his opening comedian a, a name totally escapes me right now, but uh, he was really funny. And of course, getting to meet Craig after the show, and he, he signed uh, actually the CD of his I'm Here to Help special, and uh, we got a photo, and it, it was great. He was super nice, of course. And uh, there's only about 24 people. Funnily enough, a lot of the people who had the VIP tickets, which was the first two rows of the center section, which was maybe 36 people, 
a bunch of them left after the show. They must, unless they were like comp tickets and they didn't know that they were VIP meet and greet tickets because a bunch of people left. There were maybe 24 of us that were actually, that were hung around for the meet and greet afterwards. About a dozen people just got up and left after the show was over. And we were told when we walked in, okay, you have VIP tickets, so stay in your seat for the meet and greet afterwards and we'll line you up and blah, blah, blah. Actually, as it turns out, just from the way the, the line went and the fact that the people next to my sister and I had left and didn't stick around for the uh, meet and greet, I was actually the first one to go through so uh, and, and go up and meet him, which was great because I got to just kind of chat with him for a little bit. And as I said, he signed my CD and I got a photo. And uh, my sister, same thing. She brought one of his uh, records from uh, a long time ago when he was performing under the stage name of Bing Hitler. And uh, he signed that for her and took a photo and just incredibly nice guy. And the show is hysterical frankly, since it's early on in the development of this, I guess, which is probably why he's playing such a small venue. He's, I'm sure he's working out the material for his next special. If he ends up doing a special with the routine as we saw it over the weekend, it was hysterical. So if you like Craig Ferguson, you're going to really, really enjoy uh, all the stuff he'll talk about in what I imagine will be his next stand-up special. So uh, thank you again to my sister, Carol, for treating me to this uh, incredible weekend, which involves some self-interest. She's a, a bigger Craig Ferguson fan than I am. So she probably would have gone by herself, to be honest. But the fact that she uh, was able to tie this in with my upcoming birthday just made it all the sweeter. And uh, it was it was a great weekend. I had a great time. Vegas, of course, is what else needs to be said about Vegas that you haven't heard already. We, of course, had a great time, ate lots of great food, walked around, took a ton of pictures. You know, I had to do the kind of touristy thing. But everybody there is a tourist. I don't think many people live. Well, okay, I'm sure people live in Vegas, but I'm going to go with the majority of them. We're probably tourists. So that was a blast and uh, check out the late, late show and Craig's standup specials, which are definitely on Netflix. You can also buy them on DVD, of course, uh, if you're into that sort of thing like I am. Okay. Now let's get down to this episode of the show. First up, there is a little bit of cursing, not much. I think it's pretty mild, but I'm going to put an explicit label on this anyway. I mean, there definitely weren't a lot of F-bombs or anything like that, but there was a, a bit of cursing, nothing too blue. But just for, what the hell, the, the show has a default of uh, explicit on iTunes, so it's going to have an explicit, not, not much cursing though really going on. But uh, all this came about because through uh, working with two of the uh, gentlemen on the show, Mario and Roger, we talked about our ambitions, uh, creative ambitions, when it comes to writing and filming content, web content, and eventually movies, and all that other good stuff, and uh, I've pretty much bonded over that, and Mario's roommate, Grant, who he knows from back home in Arizona, came along as well because he has done some uh, freelance editing work, video editing, or film editing work, I suppose, so it was really cool to sit down with three other people who have a a creative bent and uh, to talk about aspirations being on, I think we described it as being on the first rung of the ladder, but just being here in LA, because we're all transplants, the three of them came out here as well to do creative work through film and uh, videos and all that other good stuff. So it was cool to sit down and talk with a bunch of people about our motivations, the stuff we aspire to do, to what gets us going. If you have any leanings toward doing something creative, if you're an actor or musician or, hey, podcaster or whatever, you'll probably find this interesting because we talk a lot about just creativity in general, hence the title of the show, The Creativity Panel, because I felt there wasn't one particular thing which we focused on, which I can name the show after. So I figured, all right, well, we do talk quite a lot about creativity and art and 
taking things you thought up and making them reality. And, and granted, I don't have necessarily a whole lot of wisdom. I do not consider myself to be wise. So I don't look at it as that I had so much wisdom to impart on these guys because they're a couple of years younger than me. But I do see their situation or their, their mindset as being very similar to mine when I was in my early and mid-20s where I felt like I was always preparing and saying this isn't ready and putting a lot of pressure on myself to make sure something was at a certain level before it did anything. But as I say on the show, if you spend too much time in preparation mode, you don't actually get anything done. So uh, through my experience in podcasting, as you'll hear, I do say it honestly just to do it was the first big step. And from there, all these other things have grown. And hey, as I said at the beginning of this, three years, we've been doing the only podcast that matters. We're going into the fourth year. And I've now been doing the show for just, hey, it's six months since April 1st, since the first episode of Cape. And it's flown by, man. I got to be honest with you. Uh, But it was really cool getting to sit down and just have a free-form conversation with these guys, more in-depth than any of the conversations we've had uh, in passing while we were working together, or at least while I was working with uh, Mario and Roger. One note, though, the three of them were essentially sharing a mic. I only have a two-mic setup. So you can hear them clearly, and I did tweak the volume so you can hear them despite the fact there's one microphone position between the three of them. Frankly, it still sounds better than some other podcasts I've heard, but probably the only other technical setback might be the echo that you hear, which is a side effect of we're kind of sitting in one corner of my living room in my apartment, which the living room in my apartment has hardwood floors, and since we're sitting in the corner between the, the sound of our voices bouncing off the walls and the floors and all that. The echo is kind of unavoidable, but it's not so aggressive that you can't understand what anybody's saying. But there is an echo. You might even hear a slight bit of an echo on my voice now as I'm speaking just myself alone into the microphone. But it doesn't really take away from the conversation. Frankly, when I was listening to it again, just to not so much edit it, but just to listen back to see if there were any issues with it, which I always do. Uh, There's not really much editing that goes into this show because it tends to just be a, a natural conversation. But you honestly forget the sound quality of the recording itself. You, you don't even really consider it. You're just listening to it, I think. And uh, while it will sound a bit different from my voice right now, the conversation is great. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it, as I said, if you have some kind of creative bent. So with that, let's go. All right, so welcome to the first panel show with three other creatively-minded gentlemen who uh, are going to introduce themselves. So, let's do this. Uh, my name is Mario Martinez, and uh, I'm just trying Happy to, to be here. here. Yeah. <laughs> trying to yes, survive out here. <laughs> I'm Grant Harris, uh, video production. I'm bartending right now with the School for Video and Film Production. Um, editor Forte, that's what I would do if I could you know, make money at it and uh, make that my career besides that. I'm uh, here to talk about life and film and whatever else comes up. All right, let's get to it. My name is Roger. I'm just in the hustle. Let's go. Let's get started. <laughs> That's it. It's the opinions that matter. I don't have a specialty. I just want to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Throwing it back. All right, so all you guys are transplants too then. You guys all came out to L.A. None of you guys are from here. No, no so we're not. All, all looking to break in to the creative arts. Well, like, I just didn't want to get personal and say that uh, Grant and I are roommates and uh, we're all still, like, getting to know each other. And, and this is definitely a, a 
pregame and we're we're getting together. You make it sound like a gay marriage. It's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been dating. We're starting out and hanging We're starting out slow. We've been, yeah. we've been out a couple of times. We yeah. had a good yeah, night at the I Olive Garden. Been, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're going to see where it goes. We're, this is a match.com really app. Close. <laughs> so what are you trying to do? What are you trying to get? It? What are you trying to... So you, all right. Well, let's, all right, let's, let's try this, Mario. So where, where did yeah. you come out here from then, huh? Mario? Let's start with you. Um, you moved to L.A. From, from... I I came from... Well, originally, I came from Tucson. And uh, from there, I went to college uh, in Phoenix where I met Grant. And from there, he, we graduated with our associate's and bachelor's degree. And then uh, <clears throat> we moved out here to North Hollywood to see what we can, uh, we can achieve out here and uh, just to find some more creative people, which we did. And uh, we're, we're, we're trying to survive out here, really. You make it sound like we're going to our graves. I like, know. You make it sound like, terrible. <laughs> make it sound like, like this you is know the what morgue. Like, and now Mario's we trying to be out here. <laughs> He's no, trying to be really diplomatic. Just He's, uh, drive into the... What, you want me to be all excited and be like, all right, this is just yeah, our dude, first you, thing, and we're going to be fucking super badass it's, by next yes, week. Yes. And, like, what is the creative you goals you're driving towards? Push. I like that. Imagination. Like, what? That's good. I'm just trying to be real right oh, now. Oh, Grant, you jump in then, yeah. since he gave us a little bit of your I backstory. Think, and... I, think creative, I think the creative process is uh, an amazing way to describe who you are at your core. I mean, it's a way to convey. I had, I had this idea the other day, actually, uh, I was super high last night, uh, <laughs> which brings up a funny point. And I was thinking about how, like, we're, we look around and we see the images that we are. Like, we see, uh, you know, like, look, look at your skin right now, or look at, um, you know, your pants or a book. And you see all these different things that are, like, you know, create up the static of that which is, you know, your experience. But it's all literally the language of the universe. Which I thought was really interesting. Like it's, it struck like a really like specific core. I mean, realizing that we are acting, you know, in the field of video and film production, we are actually acting out this kind of portrayal of universal life in its like second form of nature. Because nature in itself is the playing out already of the language of the universe or God or whatever you want to consider, you know, the universe to be. This is such an epiphany for when you're high. It's making me realize that that's what I'm doing. That's why I love the passion of uh, filmmaking, the passion of um, following my creative aspect, because it relates to me on such a fundamental core. Like it is my, my true character. I feel like, you know, I, I feel like when I'm acting or when I'm like becoming these characters or when I'm editing or when I'm drawing or when you're writing, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. You're taking your ideas in your heads, just like, However, the universe is created. There's these ideas out there, and then they get implemented. They get you know kind of like placed over the facade of our thoughts, and they become reality. And you see that every day. Every time you walk out and you look at your skin and you look at your hand or you take a drink of alcohol, you're drinking the images of God. You're drinking the language of the universe. You know, I don't want to say God because that gets like super religious. But you know what I'm saying. You're drinking like the language of of what's going on. We're all of something larger than yourself. Yeah, through these images. And so I think that's, that's what intrigues me most about the filmmaking process and just art in general is the fact that you can convey these thoughts that are in your head, you know, transitively to somebody else. It's amazing. That's a total smackdown to your answer, Mario. Yeah, that, that, that is. <laughs> but, yeah. That's just my beginning. Mario's like, no, right I don't on. understand a single fucking word of what you were I saying. need a joy just to understand this conversation. I was watching your face and you were like... <laughs> I, I understand the words. I do not, I, I do not fully comprehend... 
what, what, the, what is the second nature? Dude, Mario is one of the smartest people I know, though. Mario, like, when we smoke, or we, even in general, like, we'll just sit down and we'll bullshit. Yeah. And Mario is one of, like, the most intellectual, one of the most thought-provoking people that I've ever met, which is awesome. And it's hard to find those kinds of people where you can interrelate with and you, who you can communicate with. Because we, I think, you know, I mean, it, it's a given example that we all put up this, like, facade. We all put up this character in order to impress other people, in order to get along with other people. But... When you can bring out your true personality and be able to communicate people, especially through the artistic, you know, creativity of film or writing or whatever. It's like that's when you truly become your inner self. That's when you truly are able to like identify with your So you chose inner. this because you want to communicate. Really? I love I think yeah, I think that's one of the big you know, one of the most drawing aspects of it is that when, when you're there, like when with film, like movies capture that, what do you want to communicate though? Do you want to are you trying to communicate you? And your perceptions. That's what's interesting is that you get to, you know, if you're working for somebody else, you get to kind of live through them vicariously. You know, you live through those characters or you live through their dream. And that's, you know, I was talking about how editing earlier, I enjoy becoming, you know, the author, so to speak, of like my creation. Uh, and it's harder to work underneath somebody else uh, because it's their vision, because it's their idea. But I think that's when you're really able to start releasing yourself is when you can give yourself the liberty or, you know, give liberty to other people to kind of control you, to kind of, you know, move you in the direction that you want to be or, you know, that they want to be for their artistic vision. So you're not just following your inner desires. You're kind of literally just releasing yourself into the universe or releasing yourself into other people's ideas, other people's inspirations, other people's uh, visions and journeys. And you're becoming, you know, whatever they want. But I see what, what you mean, though, in the, in the way that you're tapping into something that's inside you and everyone's so guarded right. about how they are on the inside. And everybody, like you said, kind of has this facade and this, this exterior that we put out there that it's, it's basically reaching, connecting to a deeper part of us where it's like, oh, I can put this out there. And especially if people enjoy it, then that's cool. Then it's satisfying because yeah. you're actually being yourself in a new sense as opposed to how you are. And just an average interaction. That's what I was about to say. The big thing for me is, though, like that is very uh, esoteric, but I get it, you know. But my big thing is, like, we came out here, we still have to, like, let's be real. We have to pay our rent, pay our bills. We're trying to survive while going, striving for that much higher ambition, which that's why I'm out here as well, like, to really get to the more fundamental root of it. But it's like for you, when you try to communicate that, do you need others? Do you need to be able to put this out? For and others appreciate it to, for you to feel like it's worth it. Like honestly, if you just made it, and the, everyone who who takes it in, if it does not mean anything to them, is it still worth it to you? For me, and that's what I think is interesting. It, that drives a lot of the actions I do. If if I feel that I've come to like an accomplishment in my own reality, you know, in my own like perception of what I've done, I feel like I can move on. And that's why I start a lot of projects, whether it be in the entertainment industry or whether it be, you know, just like around the house, I'll start a lot of projects and then I'll stop them short because as soon as I realize that I could obtain it, I no longer really have the inert or innate desire to go through with it anymore. But at the same time, there is a certain like quality to, you know, driving after your own inspiration or driving after your own dreams and accomplishing it rather than, you know, just living. Right. There's a satisfaction that goes into it. Where you're definitely more, you're, you're happy with yourself at the end of the day. Even like you're right. saying with doing tasks around the house, there's still that part of you that's gratified by, oh man, I did this today. Or I got this done, especially with starting it. It's like, oh, okay, I can do this. So you're kind of proving it to yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, hey, that, that plays a big part in why it is anybody continues following anything. Cause it's like, oh, I can do this. And that's the only reason I'm doing podcasting now is because one day I fired up some mics with some friends and 
It's what almost about? satisfy some sort of craving or some sort of desire, you know? It's like once you reach that, what's your next point? Like if you became the most infamous podcast person. Infamous? Or, the, or you know what I'm saying? If you became. Famous, it's bigger than know, famous. Infamous. Predominant. Yeah. Inflammable means flammable. What a country. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you know what I mean? If, uh, if, you, if you became, you know, the, the most popular, you know, whatever it is that is your desire as right. a, a podcast or, uh, you know, once you re- reach that point. What next? You know, I mean, that's the question of anything. Is like once you've reached your goal, what next? Right. So I think I think at the end of the day, it's finding peace or finding joy or happiness or whatever you want to call it within all the activities that you're already doing. So whether you're in film or whether you're in podcast or whether you're a construction worker or a librarian, I think you need to find the joy, whatever it is that makes you joyful, whatever that makes you peace, or if you can just find that inside your head. Is that your somehow, bigger goal then? Like besides just expressing just your opinions? Yeah. In, in essence, though. Is that your bigger goal and creating like films and doing this is more just the way to get yourself closer to that goal of finding that peace? I don't know. I, f- I feel like I've been I – th- I feel like we all are on that you know, essential journey of like there's something missing. Like there's, some, oh, there's yeah, something no, missing. No. Like, or, you know, there's some peace because yeah. like, you know, we wouldn't keep – Everyone of being would just kill being. themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, th- that's the whole point is like there's something missing from this equation. There's something – we're not figuring out like there's we're in search of something right now and everything that we do is kind of like a missing link everything is like it's leading up towards something or we think it is and then as we get older we realize oh there's just you know an infinite amount of things and there can never be this you know crescendo of idea or this crescendo of thought where like we have you know we have reached out or we have reached but that's why you said you need to be able to find that peace because you can already tell now exactly that that is no, there's no catharsis to that. Right. It's not going to, it's not in no yet. resolution. So, so if you yeah. find peace in itself, if you just accept it, Very. just, you are, you become peace, you know. So that's why we're here deep down. We're that far ahead of the curve that we already know our motivations to that level. Well, what's your, what's your motivation then, Roger? What brought you here? Where'd you come from? Let's hear your story. Okay. I am from central Pennsylvania. I'm from a military family. That's where I settled down. And uh, I'm here just to make movies, man. I love it. I've been around it. They inspire me. Like, think about what a movie is. You watch it. It's a visual story. But it can... Anything can be created. Only your imagination limits it. Think of how it blew people's minds seeing The Wizard of Oz. Someone in the middle of the country watches this movie. It's like, what is this world? It's, it's almost like it could be anything. But it's like a torn, you know... A whole new world, your whole world can change. So that's what happened with me. And I want to help create movies that can inspire like I was. Because some kid growing up in Pennsylvania, I see movies taking place in New York City, in Hong Kong, an action, a James Bond movie, traveling the world. I'm like, why can't I experience this? I see it and it's real to me. I'm like, look at this crazy stuff. This exists. So I want to be part of that. And even if it's just... A little bit of inspiration. I want to show this to young kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. What do you think, Mario? No, well, like I, I totally see what you're saying. Um, it's uh, something we're we're working forward to, and uh, I we got together. Like we're working on. Yeah, that's like, what we're yeah. we're working on, and uh, and it, it's it's great to hear that we're all uh, going towards the path of doing the same thing, you know, and working together and collaborating. And well, let's uh, talk about how hard it is to actually do it. Because like, we're trying to do a short movie yes. and, like, put it up on YouTube or put it up so where people can see it. It's, like, really hard to actually take the camera, get us as people, 
capture the images, then put it, you edit it, and then create it. Yeah. We've been talking about this for a month now, yeah. and we're making progress, but we still haven't done it. Exactly. It's hard to do it. I think that's it, it the is, problem. I yeah. think it's honestly, you get into a mode of, and I've done this myself, especially when it comes to music, you just get in a mode of preparation, 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 so you kind of find yourself preparing and then not actually acting on anything yeah. you've learned. Exactly. And that's, that's tough, man, because when you get into that mode of like, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready then you always feel like you're kind of chasing it and you're not quite there yet. Exactly. So you guys need to shoot something. Get a camera and shoot something. Yeah, we got to have a... a Trust but me. I, but I like that's, that's why you... I like how you're talking about inspiration earlier in the sense that that's what you need in order to like push that project to the, to the next point because yeah. when you let your inspiration like flow through you to where like it's like living in you, yeah. you know I mean, like for anybody, like if you're working out or if you're like Absolutely. on your fitness ground or, or whatever. Motivation. Exactly. Motivation. So when that, yeah. when that can flow through you to where you like you can take your project or whatever it is and like you know, you see it comes or, you know, you see the beginnings of fruition through like, you know, the pre-production or whatever. That's when you know it's coming to life. That's when you know like all that energy and all that time is starting to like come into fulfillment. That's, that's a thing, good feeling. You know it about movies too, like creating even a small little movie because you were talking about acting, editing. It's such a cooperative process. It takes more than yourself. Right. You could do it yourself, but it takes so much to bring it together and complete something. Like me, I may write my stuff for what me and Mario are trying to do, but I need him to actually shoot it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to use the camera. Then we have another guy who needs to help us edit it. You know, there's so much that goes into actually making it. And this is just the fundamental and, level. Like once you yeah. realize like what it takes to do like actual like real budget production movies. Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? Like one person that's writing, no, there's there's twelve or fifteen people who are writers. Yeah. And then, you know, like the people that are on production, oh yeah, there's not just one person doing lighting, there's twenty people, and then a director of photography, and then yeah. an assistant director of photography. And we've like, actually Oh my gosh, there's so many We've all been a part of these productions too. It's not like we haven't right. been production assistants. You know, interning, like, I don't know about you guys, even being an extra. We've all been on the sets. We work in the, you know, Mario and I work in the movie industry. Right. We're around this every day. It's intense. Yeah. Collaborate. It almost, it almost kind of, like, puts a hamper on, like, yourself as an individual. Mm. It makes it interesting, especially if you have a lot of pride and you want to be part of the movies. Like, how do you assert yourself as an individual in this big process? That's why everyone wants to be an actor. But, or is well, it not even about the individual? What if it's about the cause? You know, like, have you seen that nature show where you see yeah. all the ants, like, creating that colony? Oh, yeah, yeah. huge, majestic thing. And they don't even know that they're a part of this bigger, you know, arena right. that they're playing in where they're creating this giant castle for all of their ant brethren. But, like, what if you're a part, you know what I mean? I think that, yeah. what, if, what if you can release yourself from your mind and just realize, okay, I'm a it's part hard, of this bigger though. picture, literally. What, what drives most people to the movie business? Like, we want to be, like, stars. We want... Women, we want that car. We want to be able yeah, to. Green. We want that mansion. Yeah. Because that's that's what you know. It's it's ideally I do want to just be a, a person that can really motivate on a movie set, help create it, this and that. But even then, I want to play a huge part. Mm-hmm. I don't just want to be an equal partaker. We've all completed. It. I want to be the producer. I want to be like, mm-hmm. even if it's not about the money, this. I want to be like this movie happened because I through sheer force of will, like, galvanize these people. I made this happen. You're I got all that experience. money. Yeah, experience even if I don't get something. paid, I want to be like, I played a huge part. I was, this would not have happened without me. Everyone wants that to a degree, right? That's something that the, that the three of us have talked about, um, Mario, Roger, and myself have talked about before, where it's kind of interesting how there's such, especially out here and in the entertainment industry, there's such a sense of competition when oh, yeah. everybody has, I feel like everybody has it wrong. Now, granted, I'm certainly not 
a success story at this stage. <laughs> yeah. But everybody yeah. looks at it as competition instead of collaboration. Exactly. Because honestly, like yeah. nothing gets you can't. I mean, you can do it on your own, but you can only go so far. If you want to exactly. go further, you need to have a team of people. You need to have people who want to work together to get something done. Ultimately, if you're going to have anybody star in it other than you, or have anybody edit it for you, yeah. or do music for it, you know, score it, then you're going to need to work with other people. But everybody gets so held up in my role, my part in this, and being, uh, whether it's, it's on screen or uh, behind the camera, everybody, I just feel like it's so uptight as far as what it means for them, what it means for them. And it's like, everybody work together and make the project good, because mm. if your name's on it, you're going to sink or swim together regardless. You know what? It's funny that you mentioned that, because I feel like all the stereotypical Hollywood you know, the images of the actors and actresses and the hot shit people who think they're so cool. I feel like essentially, I've been here only about nine months, but I feel like they're, they're the fat. They need to get trimmed. And then you find the real people, all the people who really do things, who really make things happen and collaborate. And people you want to collaborate with, they're all substance. That style means nothing to them. I mean, Definitely. I think, I think there's yeah. different levels of that, though. I think there's different phases because you see the people that have made it that are fake I don't want to say like, you know, like Paris Hilton or something like that. You know, someone that, that relies on somebody else or relies on like a different way of like income, not necessarily monetarily, you know, if it's But they don't rely on talent. Right. She doesn't need to not bring anything to the table. There are a lot of maybe, people besides yeah. Marisol, me and Mario know. Maybe, we see those people yeah, every yeah, day. Yeah, she has yeah, learned yeah, that. I mean, I'm sure, you know, being in the entertainment industry, she knows how to smile or she knows how yeah. to act a certain way. So she does have some sort of training. Right. But at the same time... She's had to adapt. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You're adapting to your environment. But, but I think these leaders that we see, or you know, possibly these stars that we see in the film industry in Hollywood, I don't think that necessarily they're all like sellouts or cop-outs or, or you know, not necessarily like the true fundamental layer of actors. I think some of them – and it's interesting that you brought up Will Smith earlier because I saw a Will Smith interview that was talking about how he is essentially like – a mind alchemist, or, or someone that like pers- you know pursues what he desires so much. That's that a whole can of worms. I don't even want to the go there. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, yeah, on, on no, a fundamental totally. level, like what, one of the quotes that he had, or that he said, was, um, "I want it more than you guys do. I want it more than the other person does." Yep. Like his drive uh, exceeds every other individual in his particular field. Well, definitely. I think Will Smith is a good example, though, because I, for one, especially, I don't feel like it's as much. The literal force he's willing to put in when they say drive, I don't think it's that he's willing to sleep less and put in more work. I think just the way he approaches it is just so mm. much more human than others. Like he knows through humor, try you know, attempt at charisma, like trying to be warm, that's the way he, he acts. That's what made him so welcome. Like when interactions, not to throw names out, but like this person was all smiles, just maybe superficial, but that warmth. Mm-hmm. Open, not many people. I've met a lot of other people who are so, you know, they've bought into their own importance and they don't think that it's necessary to treat other people like that. So I don't think he literally works that much harder. It's his 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 perception. The but, way you perceive, but that is a part of work. That's what oh, I'm saying. No, is that, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that is his He's mentality. He's for that perception. Like he, yeah, he like right. one of the things that he was talking about in that same interview was that he would get on a treadmill and if, if someone else was to join him on like a similar treadmill, oh, yeah, he would. That die on that treadmill like that's his thing. yeah exactly match. his competitiveness well, and so granted that is you know it like that's why goes over into this physical state but it's mental you know it's, for this discussion i love for like a young hollywood like we're all that young but we're at the bottom of the ladder at the moment essentially mm-hmm. we're not really at least we're on the ladder 
you know, our foot's <laughs> in the door. It's just that, but it's a matter of that, like that, he's going to compete as hard as he can. And it includes young guns. He doesn't want right. young guns taking his spot. But instead of saying, I'm going to get on that treadmill next to him and like die, you know, we'll see man to man. It's all the perception thing. You can see his mistakes and look at him from the outside and see like, wow, you can build on all, especially he's trying to share his perception on everything. You can do it better. Because I know firsthand that that person, I was like, there are a lot of things that you can, you can easily clearly utilize what he does that makes him successful. And right. you can add your own spin that maybe is more effective. And that's what's interesting about like the evolutionary growth. Yeah. What's that? I suppose, especially if they start to fall out of touch. Oh, right, right. Then it's kind of like time for the new Well, that's what I'm, I'm interested to see, like yeah. the new legendary actors. Like what's like? Who They're are not the here yet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, like we, we've grown like, up with all yeah. these actors who are you know, Pitch, barely familiar with us. Will Smith. But I think like that's every generation. Yep. You know what I mean? Like every generation has their familiar actors. Hey, we got like, we Shia LaBeouf. We got Zac Efron. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, we don't, we don't really have these actors yet. Like that, they're still blooming. Are, yeah. They're still coming. Of course. In. Who do you see yeah. now? Who's under thirty? Who that, you think is still going to be around in ten years? Exactly. Exactly. It's a very small field of people. You know what the thing is that it's crazy though about movies that are coming out now. The whole way it's because it's such you know whatever they say they say actors they just mean in terms of uh, prestige, but it's all based on who the talent quote unquote is. That's what they make. Now they're adjusting everything they make to the Zac Efron's. And the hmm. Ryan Gosling, everything is adjusted to them. It's catered to them. They're not trying to go like, let's go back to the '50s and make a movie that Charlton Heston would star in, and find a guy who's. They're like, and cast The Rock. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right. It's like, hey, well, give The that's, Rock credit, but still, you can only. Oh no, totally. Man, hey, man, look, man, the dude's man. got a, a megawatt smile. He's got the body. All the action guys of the past have. So totally. I'm not yeah. knocking that. I'm just saying yeah, like, he's, he's someone. He's going to be Hercules. Around. You wouldn't have yeah. looked at him and said, "Oh, he's going to be Hercules." Just we're yeah. making a Hercules movie. Who most resembles him? The Rock. <laughs> Get the Rock in here. We're put him <laughs> yeah. in Hercules. But um, no, I see what you're saying. Black but Hercules. it's funny how <laughs> tan Hercules. But um, it's it's interesting because people will only tailor things because with the with a handful of exceptions. I mean, there are very few, especially who who have long careers, who can actually break that mold. Will Smith is one. DiCaprio's another. There's such a yeah. small, short list of people who can actually sustain that. So they're not always going to have parts tailored to them or movies built around the fact that they were cast. Uh, but I think that they we're beginning to realize the fact that it's a temporary art. You know what I mean? Just like anything else, just like painting. You know what I mean? Like we have famous paintings that we, you know, some of the elite may enjoy or some of the more intellectual will go around and be like, oh, yes, you know, I know this right. name and name, whatever. And you recognize a piece of art. That's how film is going to become, I think, in the future. I think we're going to look at film. Or we're not going to necessarily know specific actors or know specific, you know what I mean? Because right now film is at like the pinnacle. Film is like the new generation because it's only been around for less than 100 years. You know what I mean? As far as like the, the prominence oh, of it. And so, and so now like that we're getting into the, the peak, I would say, of film. Like this is the peak. We're, we are at the peak. We're at the crescendo of where it's going to branch off into something new, new artistic forms such as like um, 3D, you know, yeah, graphics. Yeah, I'm going to say like video like, games, interactive, other things are going right. to take. It's not going to be the same screen that we've seen where it's just a 2D screen the thing and with people interacting on that screen bases, you know, because we film them. It's going to be like lasers where you see a 3D environment where these actors are acting around you. you know well, the I mean? thing with film, it's be more though, complex, that's more than just the stimul- like stimulation of it is the story. It's like that's why uh, film yeah, is so big too. because it's essentially the first human thing that we did that helped us mm-hmm. grow 
was it's more interesting. It's like we understand and like metaphors, why cliches happen. It's tried ways to explain things. And clearly stories are ways to tell, teach lessons and show ideas like in, in, in a story. It makes us interesting. We're invested. It's not just like do this, do this. It's like watch this person. You know, and a consequent, uh, yeah, I that's totally why, see. You know, the best cause picture, and effect. Some of the highest grossing movies every year are the, you know, the big shockers that make the most money are the most like story driven, low key movies that catch on and then always bring up that discussion of like, oh, storytelling. Finally, someone just focused on storytelling. Right. So I love like a Christopher, not to throw names out, I hate to do it, but I've, I've seen him, I'm in awe of him. I wish I could, uh, Tell him my respect, Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. I saw him work. I'm only a matter of feet away from him. I'm I'm dressed up as like on a big movie, just as a, like a guy with a fake gun. He has no idea I'm there, but I watched him like the class, the calmness he behaves with, and it was all about story. There's mm-hmm. no everything he did. You can tell he's, and I like that. But that's also why his movies last. Like people still talk about The Dark Knight because it's based in human characters in the real world in a story everyone can relate to. Yeah. And that's the basis of art, right? You well, know? the human condition is what it all comes down Expressing to. Expressing oneself. So right. Like, what's your story? What's, what's going to make you... In- what's, what's interesting about you to me? That's when I was talking to Mario about this last night, or like the other night, how like a picture, like when you look at a picture, you only look for you. You only look for what you can identify with. So, I mean, similarly, when someone's creating a story, people are looking for like, oh, yeah, what's interesting about your story? What can That's I take away point. from your story oh, yeah. that, that, that really can improve point. my life or that can make my situation better? You know what I mean? That's like, and that's yeah. what makes no, a, a yeah. movie interesting. Totally. If you go and see a movie that is all the same old BS or all the same stuff that you've already yeah. become right. accustomed to. It. Yeah. 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 You can actually, you're looking for something that can change your perception. That was, yeah. that was refreshing, a, new. I just had an epiphany on that. I mean, yeah, that's a thought you think of all the time, but you got to kind of make it. You have to, to really bolden it sometimes and make it clear. But, like, it has to identify. Like, Mario, for our movie, like, the reason it's so hard to get it off the ground is because I can tell with you, to make it, I can see in your eyes, you're like, why would anyone want to watch it? Exactly. And I'm so with you. And I'm working on – that's why I've, like, for a little five-minute short movie to put on YouTube, we're like, I hope people watch this. Oh, yeah. it's good. We can't get it done because we keep at the stage of, like, writing stuff to actually try to shoot. Yeah. We're like, why would anyone want to watch this? Yeah. What is the, uh, how much we're of a not waste just trying of to, time this is. We're not trying to just put something on YouTube and say, oh, let's get popular. Let's get on, like, yeah. let's get a viral. We're like, let's make something that's worth watching and exactly. funny and exactly. fun. But it's hard. But you, you could still do that. But now it's hard. It's funny how oversaturated yes, everything really, is right now I because you got YouTube smartphones, for, yes. tablets, everything. It's literally becomes. Everybody exactly. gets a jingle. Their set of keys over the baby. If the baby doesn't smile, move on to the next set of keys. So everybody's yeah. attention span is so short, and it's tough to, for anything mm-hmm. to catch any kind of fire. Exactly. But see, I mean, I look at it like this, and there were – I mean, now that I've been doing podcasting for three years with my friends and all that, and now on my own, a lot of people said, even before we did it, well, who's going to listen to it? And my perception has always right. been kind of the way I approach it. You walk into Barnes & Noble. Look at all the books. Who the hell yep. is looking for yep. most yep. of these books? Nobody. But they're yeah. still out there. And think so of how much you can, they meant to the person who wrote each one. Oh my god! Right, and you just yeah, but you so just you have to put it out there, and, and something is going to find its audience. But the thing with like Mario and I, and I, Chris, I think to a point you two as well, Grant. I think you are a little more not as much in this mode of thought. It's like we I see in each other. Like that's why we kind of gravitated. 
we're pretty serious about it. We're pretty grounded, roll your sleeves up. Like, we're going to do things to try to create, you know. Right, we're here to work. The problem is, though, we also, we want to, we want that tangible success. Grant, I don't know. I think you're a little more into the the Mm. spirit of it versus, like, we really want to ride that train, too. We also want to get in on that success you know, we see the people every day in the cars and all that. And I don't, side we, we want to at least have the choice to have that. We want to be doing what they're doing. We want to be in their position. Hmm. And um, it's hard to go, how do we tangibly make things that are going to get us and give us the power to, to really make things and work with real people <laughs> and have real money to make things happen? My two cents is you start by rolling the camera. Right. Because yeah. you can't keep saying right out of the game. I mean, look, I put as, – as a musician, I put that pressure on myself for a long time. And I, I put a lot of stress on myself when it came to writing songs. I'm like, I need – whatever the first album is I do, it needs to be great. And I need to make this song great. And I kept getting stuck in that, that mode. I was talking about before, the preparation where it's like, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. But you need to do something and build on it right. because otherwise you're just you're, you're literally never going to get started and you're full of shit and you're just another person right. who's like oh, well it's like how do we do it how do we do it it's like you just got to start doing it at some and, point and, and another thing about it is that it's got to be an enjoy a joyful experience while doing it it's just not not something that you go out there and just do just to get the the, the, the gist of it you know you do it because it's fun and it's something that really brings you out of what the problems you've focused on so much and like having that perfect world to where you're like yes i can totally do this and these other people are willing to help me out and create this thing together to you know prove ourselves and change and improve ourselves but i feel like you have like grant when you said it has to be in your own personal space you have to find that peace uh you have to i feel like if it's not an individual and you talk, you know, the motivation, the inspiration, if you're not your own driving force, a hundred percent, you're never going to be able to do it. You're always going to be disappointed because everyone around you, they could be the best in the world. What they, they're going to disappoint you because they're not going to co-align with you perfectly. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, the great directors, <clears throat> producers, I'm sure the people who really make things happen, it has to all be from you. It has to be like almost your force of will is making this happen because everyone's going to disappoint you, including with, with us. I would disappoint you on a daily basis because I would disagree mm. with what you wanted. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to be fun for you that another person tr- doing this project with you doesn't agree with what you want to do. So what are you saying? You have to find peace for that? You have to find, you have to find like a bigger picture, mm. that, that peace, that motivation. You have to decide that in order to accomplish anything. Like you have to look at the bigger picture of what you ultimately want and other little things can't bother you like for you oh, okay maybe for you your a big picture would be i'm going to enjoy this to the fullest every second no matter what no matter what disagreements or crazy exactly. things happen exactly. because then you will any punches that come you'll be like i actually you'll learn to enjoy exactly. incorporating that and being like whatever yeah we're just having fun we're having uh an experience it's not something that we need to over take take it way out of proportion you know and uh and it's 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 a process (laughs) it is well you know what it is especially now with the the ease of technology with being able to shoot video and edit video on your smartphone and uh being able to do all this stuff just digitally it really is a matter of just learning on the job 
Like, I, I literally didn't know how to edit audio until I started doing podcasts. And I'm not trying to just backslap myself or anything like that. Just like, oh, Chris is so good. But not only because I've been doing this for a while and having done it for a couple of years, it's like, I didn't know how to edit audio. This software we're recording on right now, I didn't know how to use that before we started doing it. But through the process of having to, all right, I got to go through this show and edit it and make sure it's tight and make sure we have a really good hour. Just having done that every week for at least the first year, I edited all the shows that we did when we started podcasting, then I just got better at it. I got more of a sense of, okay, this is how to make a show flow, and this is how maybe to structure it or to guide it and to keep it moving. And uh, a lot of that you 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 learn on the job. You did it to make it happen. That's how you made it start. You started doing it. That's it, man. And you learned. You jumped in the deep end. There's nothing to it but to do it. It's it's cheesy, but cliches are cliches because they're true. Cliches are cliches for a reason. Exactly. There's a reason. That's exactly why they're around. But If, If you lived your life following the rules of every cliche, you would be very successful. There's a reason. <laughs> That's true. Every single moment in your life, a cliche hit. Or you'd be super racist. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say about people who move to California to make films. <laughs> what, wait, what do they say? <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry, <laughs> don't worry about it. You don't want to know. Oh, no, it's actually true, but a lot. So who, I wonder, I wonder who the main audience for this would be. I wonder, is it people coming up? Film industry people want to be film industry. Well, people? like it's 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 people that are coming up, man. I think yeah. you know, like they they just are just don't have anything well, to go for. Listen, after you started with that uninspirational, like I'm just oh, trying come to survive. On. <laughs> I'm just I'm here <laughs> trying to pay rent, and maybe someone throw me a bone. Like, <laughs> like, come on, we're here because I think more than anyone that I've met in months here, and I've been in the film industry back home, and now here, like neck deep in it, I feel like we're really people who have I don't want to say potential because that's a silly word the mindset Mm. to really get in it and involved in it and do it like it's just I feel like we're people who are matter of timers like people who are really going to make it happen and it's just a matter of time yeah (laughs) yeah and it's because we want it and we're very tangible with it Uh we're not we're not people who have our head in the clouds None of us act like we're anything special. We might as well be going in the coal mines every day, mm-hmm. going what we're doing. You know, mm-hmm. you and me go to the studio. So you're every saying day. we should act like we're special, or are you saying are we just waiting for the perfect hand? Like oh no, no, no! Hand? I'm saying that I appreciate that we're almost blue collar about it, and I feel like uh, so maybe, we'll not, maybe not you as much. You're very, you, you have a very in a good way. You have a very truly artistic approach. To versus us, we're like fucking film, cutting film, like. Get those lights, light, hot lights. Handle those yeah. lights. Like everybody, get get your work in. You know, mm-hmm. actors, get yeah. your head right. Let's that, do it. That's part of it, though. I mean, honestly, yeah. with anything, it's like, well, you you need to work at it, yep. n- yeah, no matter right. what. And everybody just kind of wants to. I think it's a mistake a lot of people make when they come out here, and even some of the people we've worked with, because Mario and Roger and I do work together in our our day jobs. Aside from this creativity uh, nonsense yeah. that we do in our in our own hours, but. Uh, there are a lot of people, I feel, who just come out with the sense of, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that, and I should because I was the biggest stage man. actor in my hometown Entitled and all that stuff. Man. Yeah, and, and the whole – it doesn't matter what you um, – actually, you know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote someone else on this because I was listening to Adam Carolla's show the other day, and he was talking about Ryan Seacrest. He's like, does Ryan Seacrest have a talent? No, but the guy has a motor yep. because the guy works all the time. He, he does what he does, and he's good at it, and that's why – 
he's always working and that's why he's successful because he may not be more than let's say a host but he works at that, absolutely, and that's it, and that's why well, the that's dude's successful. In itself. And he exactly, yeah. Opportunities and he, for himself, exactly, constantly. right. He creates opportunity, and that's that's what I feel like. It's like I said, the tangible thing. Like we we need to create our own opportunity because, like we said, we've seen like okay, we've seen the top of the top, you know, the brightest lights, other people who are, and we're like, we can do that. We know as human beings, like we got that. But we have to create our own opportunity because no one, ever, any of us, and this is kind of a, a very an inkling of it. Like, why are we here on our own time, trying to really like creatively express ourselves uh-huh. in a way that someone else might want to hear? Uh-huh. We're trying to create opportunity right now. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And because, like Grant was saying, that people will hear this hopefully and identify with it and see a part of themselves in it where it's like, I do want to. Like connect with the part of me that I'm not putting out there so much. I know I can do such and such. If, the, if, if so these four guys can sit and talk for an hour in a pocket, I can do that. Yeah. Or I can go out and film something on my iPhone or whatever. Actually, when um, Mario and I went with uh, a few other friends from work a couple of weeks ago and saw The World's End, uh-huh. after the movie was over, we're walking out and I said, doesn't that make you want to go make a movie now? Uh, yeah. Because seriously, yeah, it we, does. we were. Yeah, we're like, exactly here's a group of friends thought. who got together. One of them was great behind the camera. The other two were funny guys, so they would get in front of the camera. And they wrote and created these movies. I mean, they started on TV, and then they made these movies. And that's it. It all started because they all had similar sensibilities, a good sense of humor. They're all way creative. And now they made a bunch of movies together. And maybe not everyone knows who they are. They're not household names necessarily, like Will Smith. But they have an audience, and they're making a damn good living doing it. I mean, Simon Pegg's in Star Trek and Mission Impossible and all this other stuff. So they're, they're doing it, though. And it all started because it's like... We can do this. It all yep. starts with that sense of, you know, we have something here. We should do something with it. Grant, can I ask you a question? Um, like, talking about what, who we're talking about. Like, we just mentioned the movie The World's End, right? Yeah. These people who, they're making, they're making movies and stuff. If you don't know The World's End, people did Shaun of the Dead. Um, hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. What do you think? Do you think it's worth just doing something that you really like, knowing that there are definitely some other people who out there who will like it. Is it, is that make it worth it? It doesn't need to be. You mean, you mean on a scale, not so much a mainstream scale, like say transformers to make something like the world's end where it's like, well, there is an audience for it. It's not going to be, it's not going to be set in box office records, but people will go see it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You're making something that, you know, some people out there will appreciate numbers wise, quantity wise, that it's not going to reach millions but you know there are, there are people who will support it. But you know there's an audience for it. I think it brings back to the same old adage. I told Mario about this the other day of a story. We were sitting in our living room, uh-huh. and like we, Mario came up and he, and he started telling a story. And he told like this whole lengthy story about this kid that was like down by uh, a creek, and then a lion came, or then like you know. And so you had this whole like really unique story, yeah. and it had a moral and everything. And then I came up with a story, or I, I retold a story that I'd heard before, which is that. Um, uh, this guy was walking down a beach, and then he saw the starfish that were being washed off on the, onto the floor. And then this girl came by, and she started picking up the starfish and throwing them back into the ocean. And he's like, "Why are you doing that? You can't save them all." And she was like, "Oh, to that one, it matters." And so I think that's right. what that's what it comes down to, and essentially in the entertainment industry, if you can influence, if you can come up with a creative <laughs> um, oh, opportunity yeah. or a, a, a creative uh, prospect for somebody, or you can, if you can, you know, influence somebody in any sort of manner. 
whether it's towards your spherical of comprehension or whether it's towards you know a greater enlightenment of whatever they're trying to reach, I think that's brilliant. That's why uh, The Matrix is one of my favorite movies in the sense that it to- like every single time I watch that movie, I'm constantly enlightened or I'm constantly like renewing my ideas or my comprehension of my reality. And I'm like I'm totally the esoteric person or the sense that, like I'm the person that is totally branching off in the random thought realm because that's where my thoughts are always going mm-hmm. my thoughts are always going to the weird strange realm of trying to analyze like I look at and I see all the face value of everything we're doing and that's cool but what about all the bullshit behind it like that's the stuff that interests me but I that, like, I that like the will stuff interest that others drives if you can put that in a, in a form like a, an edible palatable form for others people want mm. that because we want to be talk to other people who are interesting it's just a lot of people who are interesting Right. can't show you they can't open up to you and let you feel comfortable with them if you can give people an idea like that that pushes that's more exciting really than just some regurgitated stuff but the regurgitated that's where art comes regurgitated, into play, right? yeah but you only because art. you're regurgitating your useless bullshit through paintings right. or through film like you're putting into action and punching but really it has morals and ideals behind yeah, it but look at the most famous artwork all the artwork you see in the great art museums that we learn about in school everywhere in the world that stuff with really with those motives they're really trying to make clear you know those ideas uh-huh. like you said that like we don't want to think about or we don't want to address because it makes us question everything the most famous artwork usually tries to incorporate that but puts it in an image that you know, pleasing. we can is pleasing enough, or that that it, people can absorb on that, the surface. Yeah, that yeah. Or at least and other people will get something deeper from it. You're saying, right? right There's right. like these these like these stages of information. Like it's not just yeah. one uh, specific piece of format going out and saying, "Hey, we're talking about this." It's like, oh, hey, look at all these cool images, and the images have ideas, and the ideas have concepts, and it just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper until you want to just explode your brain, or if you just not want to accept any of it, you can just accept the images for face value. And if you're good artistically, if you yeah. can make cool paintings, you can make or if you can, if you sing beautiful music, and if your voice sounds good, or if your imagery looks fantastic on video, then you come up with a cool product and people buy it. But otherwise, you're kind of expressing yourself. Or you can do it all at the same time, which is... But what do you want? You were laying those down so, like, objectively that I'm like, what do you specifically... Do you want... You want people to buy your stuff, so at least, like... You want, you want to put your ideas out so that people, A, like, get it, right? Mm-hmm. You want them to get it, and deep down, you want them to, to like it, don't you? And that's where marketing comes into yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's a form of, like... It's, it's a form of adaptation, I would say, in the sense that you analyze, because we always, we all do this, I would say, we analyze individuals, like when I first met you two, or when I first met Mario, it's like, I immediately, we all do this, we, we analyze each other, we say, okay, this is how this person is acting, this is how this person is talking, this is how I need to interact with them in order to make them feel comfortable, in order to make me amicable with them, or us have a, a genuine relationship and where we can communicate. And so in that same way, we analyze our audience, we analyze the participants who are going to engage in our art form. Whether it's film or whether it's you know paintings or music or whatever, and so I think that's that's what it is. It's it's a sense of we become aware of what our audience is, and then we write for it, or then we sing for it, or then we act for it. You know, you serve the audience. That's how you build a career. And it's a it's and it's part of the art as much as anything else. In the sense that you're identifying, okay, this is what my audience relates to. This is what my audience is able to get, even if your mind is you know less capable or more capable. You can transform yourself into that. But an interesting aspect on that is I, I read uh, about people who were trying to like 
create uh, Shakespeare plays and people who are trying to like duplicate and you know become these characters is that you have to be at the level of these characters if you want to portray them, or you have to yeah, be at the yeah. level of these singers if you want to become them. Because you can, you can always dumb yourself down and become like lower of a character or lower of you know impressionist of whatever, but it's harder to push yourself up. You know what I mean? Like me as a regular actor, I have no idea what a character from Shakespeare would act like. You know what I mean? Because I have no idea what the time set is. Like that's a rich, wealthy individual who had probably, a, you know, I, I consider my, my, myself to have a general intellectual knowledge and a general capability to like, you know, converse and describe you know, right. my ideas. But the, like the, the level or the peak of information that like the Shakespeare time or, you know, when was it? Like the 1600s, 1700s? No, 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 no. Shakespeare's time. It's Shakespeare's, Shakespeare's mid, timeless. I don't know. Mid fourteen hundreds to early fifteen hundreds. Okay. Yeah. yeah but so, so long time ago. So I'm saying. You know, it's they, hilarious. We could just look this up on the internet. A, yeah, they had we such could. a good diction. They had such a good way of communicating. And so, like, to be able to to portray those classes of individuals, you have to raise yourself up in intellectual, uh, you know, Level. ability or intellectual prowess. Yeah. But you can always bring yourself back down. See, that, that's, so, so like what you're yeah. saying, you know, with Brad Pitt or, you know, The Rock, yeah. like if you want to be on their level, raise yourself, raise yourself up to that level and become that. Yes. And then you can dumb yourself down to whatever sort of, you know, character you want to be. I feel like that right there is one of the key things I'm motivated to do in like creating movies as well is that subconsciously, like I need, need to send that message of how great it is to bring yourself up as a humanist, like... There's not, it's not worth being around if you're not consciously trying to intellectually, especially bring yourself up mm. because, but, um, I, it's hard to send these messages in a form that people want to buy because oh, yes. it's not just easy. It's, it's, I'm not going to make like, Oh, it's like junk food. It's like, so it, a lot of movies are very easy to digest. It doesn't, you know, make, give you a stomach ache. You know, it's very easy. And it's entertainment. But you don't necessarily want to go back for more. Exactly. But it's worth it for the price for most people to say, okay, a few dollars to rent it, a few, you know, a few hours on Netflix. It's worth it to be mildly entertained. It, it takes investment to get that, to get really strong messages. It, it takes a lot. Mm-hmm. And the thing takes energy and changes the way you perceive things. And that's scary. So yeah, but that's you, only because you're, 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 but you're, you're looking people. It's it's not bad to look that far in the future, but the first step is just creating something and putting that right. part of yourself out there. Yeah, honestly, that's that's where it all has to begin. As far as who's it going to reach and who's going to listen, who's going to listen to what we're talking about right now, who's going to listen to this podcast, we don't know, but we got to put it out there. And then from there, we'll know. Next step, exactly. Just one bit of I'm sure saying exactly a what. Miles. But, <laughs> it starts with one step. It oh, does yeah. start with one step. All right, I say that's the note we go out on. Thank you guys for coming. Here and sitting and doing the show. Yeah, having a chat. Yeah, we're, we're doing it again. This Wait, is a, no, we should really. This is the, we we definitely need. To we'll do it sit again. and we're getting better. If anyone actually listens to and this, and more drunk. <laughs> these guys, not me. I'm stone cold sober. <laughs> me too. Yeah, no, no. High and high, high uh, <laughs> right. drink. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, yeah. Keep yeah. tripping like over that. Hyper. Caffeine free. Well, Keep booze. tripping over that sentence, Mario. Yeah, we will. We will get Thanks better if any us. of this was interesting. Hey. And thank you. You're guys. welcome. No, of course, you guys are welcome. Thanks, Absolutely, man. we will do this again. Definitely. And uh, don't forget, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Give the show five stars. Write a little review. Like the show on Facebook. Look for Chris Abalos Podcast Experiment. You can follow the show on Twitter at Cape Pod. Email the show at CapeThePodcast at Gmail And of course, always check out the only podcast that matters on all those same 
platforms every Friday, new every Friday. So until next time, this is Chris Abalo, and this was yet another experiment. Thank you.